You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Ballsy Mo, you are listening to Fanholes, a pop culture podcast made for little Tavorishes by little Tavorishes. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting, awesome, action-packed episode of Fanholes. Tonight we're going to be doing something in relation to the July 2013 release of the feature film The Wolverine. And uh, in honor of Logan's uh, you know, feature film that is coming out around the time you should be listening to this, we're going to be doing a Wolverine show, but not kind of the traditional Wolverine type, you know, all shows that we do in the past where we go into a bunch of favorite stories and video games and stuff like that. But uh, we're just going to be covering some some specific X-Men and Wolverine-related story arcs. Um, but just to, uh, I guess, let people know who are going to listen to this, uh, you know, in case you really, really love Wolverine and uh, or, or you don't like our Someplace Cold episodes, I, I think, uh, you know, with the fan holes that are here tonight, we, we kind of came to a universal consensus that this was going to be kind of an all someplace cold episode or at least just keep in mind we're going to be pretty critical of the material that we're going to be covering and uh, the two storylines we're going to be talking about tonight are old man logan from the the wolverine ongoing series and the mega uh, stupendous summer blockbuster event from uh, 2012 which was avengers versus x-men but the thematic tie-in is that you know, Wolverine is indeed involved in both of those major storylines, and we're going to be discussing those tonight. So uh, I'm joined by two of my fellow fan holes tonight. This is Derek, Derek WC, by the way, and I'm going to be your host. And then joining me tonight, shout out, guys, and let everybody know who's here. It's Mike Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. We've been trying to contact you for days, Wolverine. Where have you been? Somewhere cold. And so I was thinking that, that since we are doing a, a someplace cold, uh, I know I know people haven't exactly prepared um, for, for what I'm about to ask them, but uh, I, I just thought I'd throw a curveball out there. Since I know we're going to be, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be increasingly critical and negative as the evening rolls on. So I just wanted to start out with a positive curveball before we get into the madness. I want everybody to say something that they really, really like about Wolverine. And I'll, I'll start so, so, you know, you guys can formulate and, and think of something you may want to share or suggest or something like that. But, you know, it's also kind of a, a self-promotion tool for myself because I have a top 10 
solo Wolverine comic book stories on my History of Comics on Film blog. And I was just going to say that my number one on the list is uh, Incredible Hulk 340 by Peter David and Todd McFarlane. And I just want to throw that out there. That's one of my favorite Wolverine solo comic book stories. I mean, he's trying to be the leader, but he gets kind of, you know, he thought he was out of the violence and the craziness and the being a jerk and fighting with people all the time. But, you know, Grey Hulk dragged him back in. And, of course, he acted like a douchebag again, which is kind of the way things go with Wolverine. But I think it's a really well-told story. You know, the art's really awesome, and it was something that I really, really liked and enjoyed when I grew up. And there's nine other, you know, stories that I think are great about Wolverine. So just in case anybody, you know, kind of goes, oh, you guys hate Wolverine, and you don't like anything, and you should feel bad. I don't feel bad. Um, but I just <laughs> wanted to say that, uh, that there's plenty of uh, stuff that I do like about Wolverine. And, uh, you know, and I just thought I'd give uh, the other two panels the opportunity to uh, throw something in there before we, we get into the nitty-gritty of the someplace colds. I miss the old uh, pre-Fanora days when, you know, his healing factor wasn't, you know, able to heal like a severed head or something. And when, you know, guys like Wonder Man could, like, beat him up. When a sentinel could kill him. <laughs> yeah. I miss the old days when Wolverine was a skeleton in Future For uh, Forge's lab. Right. So there's there's two really awesome stories there. You know, you got Days of Future Past, and well, I don't know if Infinity War is an awesome story, but that that's basically <laughs> some things where you know, oh, the good old days or whatever, right? So, and if there's anything else anybody wants to uh, say as something that they really, you know, really dig, whether it's a movie or a video game or cartoon or anything like that, feel free, and then we'll just go right into uh, Old Man Logan, someplace cold. I know you two guys are big Cyclops fans, but I always liked those early or early issues of uh, you know New X Men when uh, Wolverine was new to the team and he was always given Cyclops attitude. Like I miss those days too. Like it, yeah. now it seems like he just kind of well, I guess before Avengers versus X Men, it gives him. It always seemed like whenever he was giving him attitude, it was just kind of there just because or or whatever. I get well, like I, I get you. Like I liked it more when it was like a little more like tit for tat, almost. Like you know, like Wolverine would mouth off to him, but Cyclops would like counter and stuff. But you know, eventually it got to a point where like Wolverine's consistently like dumping on him, or or yeah, like you said, they're just kind of like you know being jerks to each other for no reason, basically. Yeah, so like you know, Claremont, Cockroom, Claremont, Burn era X Men. Like that's something that's. Always fun to read, and is uh, is I would say is is pretty consistently good and regarded, you know, well regarded among the fan community. Yeah, I was reading a few of those earlier. Well, and uh, I like when uh, Angel kind of comes back to the team for a while, and he's like going off about Wolverine. He's like, Professor X, how can you have this guy here? He's crazy. He's gonna like hurt us or kill us or something. You need to get this guy off the X Men. Yeah, I always liked how they sort of retroactively set up that rivalry in, in classic X-Men where they had the little backup story. So by the time you get to, like, Inferno where he's, you know, Archangel or Death or whatever, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, before I couldn't really do too much because I just had some wings and some good eyesight. But now I've got some blades, too, and we can fucking go at it, you know. And so I always thought that was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I always liked that. 
Yeah, I, I like like when Wolverine's like is part of is part of a team and he doesn't like overshadow anyone. Like I like I think Whedon used him pretty well in that regard, where he's you know he gets his moments to be badass, but he's not like you know the center piece or anything. So you know as long as he's like handled well, I don't mind him. But the problem is he's like all too often he's like handled poorly. Yeah, uh, Uncanny X-Force, you'd probably agree, would be like a good example of him being handled well and not overpowering the team. Yes, exactly. So see, like, we do like a few Wolverine things. <laughs> we are, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not haters totally. I mean, like, yeah, like I said, I, when we talked about Uncanny X-Force, that's like the kind of team I can see. Well, I was like, okay, well, yeah, Wolverine can kind of be in charge of those people. Awesome. So we'll we'll get right into it and talk about uh, Wolverine, Old Man Logan, and of course, you know, be forewarned, this is going to be a someplace cold segment. And in case uh, we we haven't done this in a while and you don't know what that means, uh, you know, it's just uh, a reference to the fact that we're we're kind of going someplace a little more critical, um, you know, a little more negative with the the critique than uh, than maybe we'd normally do. It might not be as as uh, balanced as uh, as some other uh, reviews have been, or or other you know podcasts that you might listen to, where everybody tries to be like friendly and nice, and you know say something nice about all the the comics and everything. But um, just just so you know, this ran from um, it, it was uh, it started in uh, June 2008, and then it took a long ass time to finish, and finally finished up in uh, September 2009, but it ran for eight issues. It's from uh, Wolverine issue 66 to 72, and then it finishes off in the giant-sized issue number one. Um, It is written by uh, my favorite writer, no sarcasm (laughs) there, uh, shock shock Mark Millar. And then, uh, you know, I I noticed a lot of people, like I noticed Boom really loves uh, this guy's art, and you may know him best from uh, Civil War, but it it is, the art is done by uh, Steve McNiven. And so, uh, you know, basically the the main setup of it is it's one of these kind of dystopian, apocalyptic, far in the future storylines where it's like 50 years later, and, uh, you know, basically Wolverine uh, has not popped his claws in 50 years because of some deep, dark secret. And he basically has been raising a family up in, uh, you know, California, which basically is, is kind of run by a bunch of inbred hillbilly Hulk people. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, a blind Hawkeye shows up and is like, hey, let's go be uh, hard-traveling heroes across America, and, uh, and you got to help me deliver some kind of secret package, which, you know, I guess he assumes to be, you know, some kind of narcotics or something like that. Um, and, and then basically you kind of follow this map, you know, across, uh, I guess the newly, uh, divided, uh, America where, you know, it's basically run by all these kinds of, uh, crazy super villains. And so as they go from territory to territory, uh, they become involved in different skirmishes and you slowly learn more about, you know, what happened in between, you know, the, the future setting and what happened, you know, back 50 years ago when apparently, you know, all these supervillains, you know, wiped out all the heroes or whatever. Um, but I, I guess I guess we'll start off here. Um, I, since we know Hawkeye is probably, you know, the, the second banana top tier character in the story. And Mike, as we know, is a huge, huge fan of Hawkeye. I'm just actually curious, like, what, what are your thoughts on Hawkeye in Old Man Logan? 
Mike? Uh, I don't know. It's not the most flattering portrayal of him, really. I mean, you know, I, it's I I don't know. It's more of like like you like to say Millar's like shock jock tactics, where he might take like a sort of characteristic of a character and then like turn it up to like 12 or whatever you know and you know you're like Hawkeye's like oh Hawkeye like knocked up Peter Parker's daughter or whatever and like or you know Hawkeye and like it turns out at the end like the whatever Hawkeye was hoping for with that stuff he was he was like carrying was not what happened and then he like goes out like a punk and stuff so yeah I was kind of like eh you know this is no no I think I think this is a fair point because you know uh, people who may be fans of Wolverine, you know, may go, "Oh, you guys are, are so uh, negative about Wolverine." But here we have, you know, somebody who's who's you know a great fan of Hawkeye, and basically, you know, for the most part, he's treated like like Mike says, he's kind of goes out like a punk. Um, and beyond that, you do have those shock shock elements of, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you're kind of like, "Oh, it's a little." It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of. Like, he couldn't decide whether he wanted to use Daredevil or Hawkeye. And it's like, well, Hawkeye can shoot people through the throat with arrows, so that's shocking and cool. So I'm going to use him. But it's like, but then we'll make him blind. And I'm just kind of like, okay. Like, are you sure that wasn't supposed to be Daredevil? And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. And then and then when you're thinking about it, you're kind of like, hey, that is kind of, like, sketchy that he, you know, he knocked up. And and see, it's not just Peter Parker's daughter. Like the way I read it was, it's one of Peter Parker's daughters. So that led me to believe, like, what is what is Peter Parker like a polygamist after all the supervillains, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, break up America and start ruling it or something? Like, does he have? Is it like Mary Jane, uh, Gwen's corpse, and uh, Glory Grant, and then they all like <laughs> procreate and have like tons of babies, and one of them's a zombie baby, and one of them's you know, like this chick that, that Hawkeye uh, knocked up, who's uh, a black mechanic, and one of them's like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, May Parker from the, the MC2 universe, and maybe she got killed or something off camera or whatever. But anyway, um, what, what about you, Justin? Like, like I, I know you're not, uh, you know, you're not like to Hawkeye's major fan or anything, but like, what are your thoughts on you know, how Hawkeye was handled versus uh, Wolverine? I mean, do you think Hawkeye fans would be super happy or are you kind of in, in the same camp as Mike? Kind of in the same camp as Mike. Like I I don't know, at first I was like kinda glad to see that if of all the heroes that survived, you know, at least one of them was Hawkeye. I was like, Well that's cool. So maybe this won't be so bad. But then the more you get into it and you know, like well you guys said all the stuff with like Spider Man's daughter and all this other stuff just running around, like I just didn't I wasn't feeling it. I mean, I like Hawkeye too. You know, not as much as Mike, but I've always liked him. But I just didn't like this version of Hawkeye at all, really. It really seemed like like it was. I mean, it seems like I could compare Old Man Logan to lots of renowned and great stories. Great you know, like I, I can think of it as like it's kind of like hard traveling heroes. You know, it's kind of like Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. But instead, you've got you know to the extreme. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, it's like to the extreme. It's like they go from town to town, but then all of a sudden everything's bloody and crazy and hillbilly yeah. incest with hulks. And, you know, uh, the, the kingpin is like basically, I guess they go to, you know, after they leave California, because I guess the main gist of it is Wolverine has his own family that he's been raising, and he's got some deep, 
dark secret in his past, which is why he, he is now a pacifist. So instead of, like, beating the hell out of these Hulk hillbillies, which I guess Wolverine fans would expect him to do, you know, pop his claws and try to, you know, slice and dice and all this kind of stuff, he basically, you know, has this fantasy of doing that, but instead, you know, he basically takes a beating, you know, and these these uh, children of Bruce Banner, these inbred children, you know, beat the shit out of them. And then they're kind of like, well, you know, hurry up and come back in two weeks. Otherwise, we're going to kill your wife and kids. And uh, well, one thing that, like, I don't know if it's part of the whole shock jock thing, but it's, Millar always seems to do things that that rub me the wrong way. And uh, this is a little thing, and it, it, it's not even anything that is regarding anything taboo. You know, it's not regarding incest or you know, interracial relationships or anything that, that some people might freak out about. But this is regarding um, his kids. And his oldest son is named Scotty. And I just kind of went, you named your kid after Scott Summers? Like, I don't know if anybody, like, thought about that at all. But I just kind of went, why does that? I don't I don't know how I feel about that. That just seems like like one of many in a long line of things in his stories, especially this story, where it's just designed to prod you and push your buttons and just kind of make you feel like, no, 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 no. And he's kind of like giggling the whole time. He basically sticks a twig in your back. And you're like, dude, it's not funny. This really hurts me. And, and he's kind of hysterically laughing away as he, he prods you with <laughs> sharp twig. And you're like, no, seriously, it really, it's hurting my kidney. You know, this really hurts, but... I don't know. What, what did you guys, uh, you know, is there anything you want to talk about uh, in terms of, you know, as they kind of go through the country or, or anything else I just brought up? Well, I'll say that, like, in Millar's defense, I actually enjoyed his first run on Wolverine, like the enemy of the state stuff. Like, I could enjoy that in sort of like a sort of like Jeff Loeb schlocky storyline where it was all like, you know, wide panels and big Hollywood action and stuff. And I thought it really had some really like nice Ramita Jr. artwork. But this like story, like, I don't know, it, it pushes all the wrong buttons with me, basically. Like, it has like the absolute worst of like Millar's, yeah, like shock jock osity and like i also don't really care for steve mcniven's art so like this whole thing was like an exercise in like pain management like getting through this pretty much for me yeah i just I, it just feels like one of those stories where like people talk about it a lot about how great it is and then you know somebody invariably checks it out but i've never been a big fan of you know like i said i think i think millar if he has like editorial like influence you know like i've always said that i like his superman adventures because he can't do anything shocking in those because those are like explicitly or specifically you know for children you know what i mean like he can't have like you know superman you know uh uses super breath to blow up lois's skirt or something and um, you know he's gotta you know he's gotta be like okay here's something a little smart a little heady um, and, and, and a little uh, scientific for Superman to do, and he fights some Phantom Zone criminals, and that's it. But in this, it's kind of like, you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you've ever read the uh, write-up for this, but a long time ago, uh, they really wanted, like back when Alan Moore's heyday in the 80s, you know, I think he had just finished Watchmen, and, uh, you know, the Swamp Thing run was just wrapping up and all this other stuff. And so he was really, really hot, really, really popular, and they... DC was begging him to write one of these crossovers. 
and they had just done Crisis, and I think they just finished Legends, the one with John Byrne, where Darkseid, you know, kind of tries to, you know, poison the populace against heroes and get heroes to register and all this other kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, DC was like, what's our next big crossover going to be? Unfortunately, it turned out to be the piece of crap Millennium, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but, but basically what was, I think what, what they had tried to get uh, Alan Moore to do was do this. It, it's been kind of compared to like, you can read the proposal online. I think it's called like Twilight of the Gods or Battle of the Gods or something like that. And so the, I, I think the basic idea is, you know, one of his baby characters, you know, Constantine was going to be the main you know, I guess, linchpin of this crossover. But basically, it's like you'd have the young version of Constantine in the present trying to get all these heroes together. But in this time bubble, kind of like this story, kind of weird dystopian future, there would be the old Constantine who basically like because of his mystical nature, you know, he kind of had some connection. Like it's almost like he's like the Cisco in Deep Space Nine and he's nonlinear and he kind of, you know, basically interact within the bubble but he can also interact in the past and maybe try to prevent the future that happens in the bubble from ever occurring but i guess the the thing that stood out to me was the whole time it's one of these twist shock things that you know of course the story never got published but it's like there's this little midget type dude and i guess He's into like SNM and all this weird stuff. And you're like, who is this dude that's like, why is he getting so much screen time? And you find out it's like, it's Billy Batson, but he <laughs> never like grew up. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like he was stuck inside Captain Marvel's, you know, adult body for so long. And when he kind of converts back, he's like this lecherous little like goon or whatever, because he never got to really have a childhood and adulthood and, you know, he's all psychologically messed up. It's all this weird Alan Moore kind of isms, you know, and kind of very much like Millar, like this kind of shock jock thing, which is unfettered by editorial, you know, interference. You know, this is just a proposal. And I'm trying to remember exactly what happens, but basically, like, it's like, basically, I think there is a fight between Captain Marvel and Superman, kind of like Kingdom Come, but I think in the end, Captain Marvel gets totally choated. Like, he converts back into this little trollish, you know, dude, and he gets like, you know, I don't know, he does some weird S&M thing and chokes himself to death or, you know, whatever stupid thing it is. <laughs> but it's like, it's like something like that where you're just kind of like, what? You know, like, like, and you kind of freak out about it. And I feel like there's like one moment after another like this in Old Man Logan, you know, whether it's, you know, when the casual mention of the fact that Hawkeye you know, knocked up one of Spider-Man's daughters. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or what, you know, you know, just anything continuing in the storyline. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if, you know, I know Justin is a big reader of the Hulk. I don't know if you want to get into the either maybe, you know, the, the kind of, you know, banner country thing, that <laughs> angle of it, or, you know, uh. the, the fact that they kind of basically insinuate that, uh, you know, Bruce Banner fucked his own cousin and that they procreated all these weird kind of stereotypical, you know, hillbilly inbred yeah. uh, uh, bruisers that are basically, you know, uh, uh, hitting up Wolverine and all of California for, you know, their quote unquote rent money. You know, they're, they're basically strong arming, uh, you know, the entire West Coast, you know, uh, while they do all kinds of strange things like play with dolls and 
you know, sleep with about, you know, 500 women in a whorehouse and, and all these kind of, you know, very explicit scenes, you know, whereas you think like, oh, gee, what if Wolverine is some like little, you know, five-year-old hero because he watched him on Superhero Squad and then some parent gave him old man Logan, he'd probably like not understand half of what was being written and then probably have his mind blown all at the same fucking time. <laughs> So, but I, I don't know. Do you, do you guys want to talk about like the other villains or anything, or, or as they we, go along? Or? We can go into the Hulk thing because that kind of irritated me. I mean, I like the yeah. Hulk, and I'm all for Wolverine and Hulk having the throwdown because you know Wolverine's first first appearance was in an issue of the Hulk. Yeah, so, I, I, always, I always say to uh, to make to my my friends who who love Wolverine mad. I always refer to Wolverine as a two bit Hulk villain. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all. He just started out as a two-bit Hulk villain, and everybody's like, "Ah!" Yeah, but anyway. But yeah, when they introduced all these like weird, you know, Hulk Junior like hillbilly kids, and they're just, you know, like you said, they're just way over the top and so extreme. Like that's just I don't like. I don't. I don't understand that. It's like why did, you know. Why did Millar go in that direction? It's kind of like the same thing of like Ultimates. Like, why did he go in that direction with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? Like, is that some kind of like weird, like extreme thing that he likes to do, or like he thinks people like to read about? Like, I don't, I don't get that. But anyway, I just like <laughs> the fact that he's implying Hulk and She-Hulk in some dystopian future would be like. All right, Jen, it's up to us. We got to have a bunch of Hulk babies. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, in whose like twisted like you know 4chan slash fan fiction mind did this come from? Like, that's that's what this like whole old man you know Logan thing feels like. Yeah. It feels like somebody's weird like you know 13 year old fan fiction slash like to the extreme wars thing that like nobody yeah. like saw to like critique or say. Maybe this is a little too much, you know. Maybe you shouldn't have Blind Hawkeye like hit, hit up like one of Peter Parker, Parker's daughters. Like, maybe you shouldn't have Red Skull be all creepy like wearing Captain America's mask and like that. I don't know why, but that really freaked me out for some reason. Like, not as bad as like the inbred Hulk hillbillies, but Red Skull wearing Captain America's mask for some reason. I'm just like, I feel really skeevy just reading that. Like, I don't know why, but. Just no, no, no. I think, I think, I think there's an overwhelmingly strong aura of perviness to the whole storyline. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't just apply to sexual things. It's like it, it just applies to like it, you, you just feel like all these characters. The reason why things are shocking in that is because everybody violates everybody else. I mean, the reason why you yeah. feel upset is you feel like you violated Captain America. Like, he violated America. He, he fucked it up the ass and broke it into, like, four different sections and then gave it to Magneto and Dr. Doom and whoever the fuck, you know, like, like whatever, well, whatever was going on with that. Skipping, skipping over the fact that, like, anyone worth their salt would know that Magneto and the Red Skull would never, like, work together for, like, yeah. any reason or anything... Um, one, another one of those, like, stupid, like, little irritating comments that he makes in the story, like, sort of like the Scotty thing, like you said, Derek, is when, like, I forgot, I think the Red Skull said it, but, like, uh, he's like, uh, oh, Magneto wants Las Vegas for some reason, like, I'm like, what, what is that supposed to mean? Like, why does Magneto want Las Vegas? Like, 
you know, what 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 possible reason could that comment mean, like, other than to, like, you know, yeah, make you like, ask that? It, yeah, it seems like, like there were lots of dialogue where it was all based on the purpose of, of writer exposition. Like, there, there's the scene where I think it's either, uh, yeah, yeah, Wolverine's like, what? Who are those guys? And Hawkeye's like, those are the Moloids. They're the agents of the Mole Man. Exposition, exposition. This is what they do. And I guess if, like, you're a first-time reader or all you read is Wolverine and your head's up your ass and you've never read Fantastic Four, well, then, you know, maybe you need that bit of exposition. But even if you were, like, a Super Wolverine fanboy, you'd probably remember that, like, he teamed up with, like, the new Fantastic Four, and he's obviously met Mole Man and knows what the fuck a Moloid is. So it's, like, one of those things where, like, I, I know that's, like, super nitpicky and, and you know, kind of what people say is, you know, you're, you're breaking shit apart, you know, and it's you're a backseat driver and all this stuff. But it's, like, all those things just seem designed to, like, where you just tilt your head and you're kind of like, Murp? like, what what is that, you know, like... Ultron 8 is a friendly robot father. Like, what the fuck is that about? You know, it's just <laughs> there to like fuck with you because it's like it twists everything on its head. It's like normally Ultron is like a killer of everything that's living that's not a machine. But instead here, he's basically like the de facto father and is like Hawkeye's ex-wife's, you know, surrogate father or surrogate uh, surrogate husband or something even though he's a robot like you know and you're just kind of like <laughs> what like it's know? like you're like why do we have to ask these questions like yeah. what what is this? yeah uh, I don't, I, yeah and then and then you know it's like the and then and then it, basically you go to like certain people's territories and it's like supposedly abomination got california but then somewhere along the way hulk fucked his cousin and kicked abomination out you know and then I guess Magneto had Las Vegas, which is the next place they go to, where there's all these people worshipping, uh, you know, uh, Thor. And it just became this little clever, clever John Byrne thing of like, oh, we're going to name this location Hammer, you know, Hammer Falls. And it's like, then, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's where Thor's hammer is. And that's where all these guys are worshipping Thor. And then it's like, oh, I wondered why it was called Pym Falls. And then they, like, drive past it. And it's like, you know, Hank Pym's huge skeleton is just sitting there choded. You know, wah, and, like, wah, kind of, it's, like, it's like, look at how clever I am. You know, we called this uh, Tigra Gets Fucked Up the Assville. You know? And then you see, like, the dildo of Tigra's ass as they drive by in the spider mobile. I'm just kind of like, dude. Like I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, what is like the capital of Pym Falls, like Wife Beater Avenue or <laughs> something? No, it's like, something. It's like, you know, Jan gets slapped in the face, Bill. You know, or whatever. <laughs> Come on, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, some of that stuff. I was just like, what? Or like, uh, I guess a good point to to make. I, I know Justin said he felt um, disturbed when he saw the Red Skull in Captain America's costume. I know me myself. I felt heavily disturbed when I saw the Red Skull's face on the side of Mount Rushmore. You know, like as they're driving through, you know, America yeah. and stuff like that. You know, so it's like there's all these things, you know, and then and then I guess, you know, apparently Magneto got old, bitch, and was like taken out by the new Kingpin, who I guess is supposed to be some kind of homage to uh Michael Duncan Clark maybe or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, and then, and then he's not even in the the, the storyline very long because Peter Parker's granddaughter, you know, Spider Bitch or whatever her name is, 
you know, basically uh, decapitates the, the new kingpin and is like, now you got old, bitch. You know, so it's just like that, you know, it's like, I guess the kind of world it is, you know, a dog eat dog kind of uh, world or whatever. Do we want to talk about, I mean, I, I know this is like a, a, a many years old storyline, but I, I'd like to talk about the, the reveal of why Wolverine is a pacifist and why that has so many fucking holes in it. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, basically Wolverine's a pacifist. He does not pop his claws over this 50 year interval because of something so horrible, so detrimental to his, <laughs> his, his very nature that he gives it all up and goes to farm in California and take beatings from inbred hulks who fuck their cousins. Um, so basically that, you know, he basically Hawkeye's kind of like, what, you know, what happened to you, bro? Like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Like you were supposed to be, you know, the Wolverine, like you're supposed to snick and snick and berserker rage and all this stuff. Like, why don't you do that anymore? And he says, well, sit down and I'll tell you. And basically they, they kind of insinuate like the villains got this bright idea. Like, Hey, why don't we all like fucking team up, dude? Like <laughs> 50 of us to every one of you. Like, wow, that'd be rad. And so apparently that's their big plan. Um, and so all, apparently all these, these bad guys, you know, strife and people who aren't even fucking alive anymore, uh, come in and start beating the shit out of everybody in the X mansion. And Wolverine's kind of like, what the hell? Where are all the X-Men? I gotta protect these kids. And he just goes ape shit and starts, uh, murdering all these guys or killing them all or what, what have you. And, um, you know, when, when push comes to shove, it's like, I think he, he, him and Bullseye are the last guys to be fighting or something stupid. And then when he finally, like, just guts the hell out of Bullseye, it's very graphic. Um, Bullseye's kind of like, dude, why can't like, we're friends, bro, we're friends. And then it's like, it's a picture of Jubilee, and she's all fucking gutted and everything. And then Mysterio's bubblehead comes up, is like, I totally fooled you, you know. And, um, <laughs> like, you got punked. <laughs> it's like Ashton Kutcher comes out. Pops up his bubble head. Burn! <laughs> um, and so, so he's totally, like, punked or whatever. And I'm kind of like, how's Wolverine? Like, okay, say you're the biggest Wolverine fanboy ever, right? Just say you are, right? If you're the biggest Wolverine fanboy ever, right? You're like, well, he's got his super senses, right? Like, I mean, aren't there, like, issues and issues and issues of, like, I smelled them coming, pub. Like, I smelled the jelly bean in your asshole that you put up there ten years ago, and that's how I knew you were coming. So I'm like, well, if Wolverine can smell a jelly bean up some dude's asshole from ten years ago, right? Like, he can't smell through the illusion that Mysterio places. And I believe there's some dialogue to the effect of when he's talking to Hawkeye and telling him this over the campfire. He's like, Mysterio just made it so well, bub. I couldn't smell nothing. I couldn't. I didn't even know, dude. I didn't even know. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know that Mysterio ever got that in-depth or anything. Maybe they could have, you know, been like Mysterio with the aid of Arcade and, like, Loki's magic, like, owned Wolverine. And then I would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. But, you know, it's just like, it's like one of these kind of, like, Mysterio did it all. And even if, say, you're not Wolverine's biggest fan, I mean, I would just say... There weren't any telepaths in the X mansion to just like remove the illusionary cloud from his brain. Like, you know, Professor X or 
Emma Frost or, or you know, I don't know, some of these low-level the assholes thing, the thing, couldn't just the be thing like, that made me, bro, this is totally not real. Stop cutting your beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing that made me laugh the most was like in that shot of all the dead X Men, Polaris is there on the ground and I'm like, wait, she couldn't just like stop him like within in an instant, you know? Yeah. It just it it just feels like, you know, there there are these points that they want, you know, these ideas they have in their head. Like, wouldn't it be cool if dot 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 inbred Hulk like punched Wolverine in the face? But then they designed this whole <laughs> story around that moment and then Everything that leads up to that is just like not not that that's like the greatest idea ever, but they seem to think it's the greatest idea ever. And then all the little sort of plot points that get you to that point, you know, uh, seem kind of forced and don't make a lot of sense. Or you know, or you could pin it on like, oh, oh, the artist got bad reference material. I remember that's what they tried to pin it on the New Avengers number one, like the the first volume of that, where. I think it's like Jigsaw breaks Spider-Man's arm, and like I remember being up in arms about that, going, "What the fuck? Jigsaw can't break Spider-Man's arm." And then I think later I read on some message board, it's like, "Oh, that was supposed to be Pile Driver from the Wrecking Crew, but you know, David Finch got the wrong reference art or something." And I'm like, "How the fuck do you mix up Pile Driver with Jigsaw?" <laughs> like, whatever. like whatever. But anyway, um, so so basically, like that's. I mean, I I don't know. To me, like, that in a nutshell is how I feel about um, Old Man Logan. You know, I'm not a fan of it. It's got a lot of shock jock imagery and, and stuff that really, really disturbed me. Um, if you like watching Wolverine uh, kind of get his ass kicked for, like, eight issues and then unload on people towards the very end, uh, you, you may enjoy this. Um you know, I, I don't know. Does anybody else have any uh, things that they want to address before we uh, move on to Avengers versus X Men? If you're listening and you enjoyed it, please email us and tell us why you enjoyed it. I would like to know. Yeah, I would seriously be interested in that too. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, I know some people like. I, I know you said you don't like Steve McKibben's art. I know I've listened to uh, to Thum's podcast before, and I know he really, really likes Steve McKibben's art. So I think for him, I would imagine he might tell me that, that, you know, the majority of his positive thinking towards the story has to go to the art team. But, I mean, you know, I, 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 as far as the story goes, I don't know. Like, I, I've never been really into anything that, that Millar did, especially when it's very, you know, deliberately designed to sort of button push and, uh, and kind of disturb you. You know, not... I, I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, it's not it's not like I don't like reading comics where I don't get chills. Like, I like getting chills when I read comics. Like, you know, not in the, like, pervy, violated chill sense. You know, it's like, like <laughs> I, I just like things where I was like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. It's awesome. You know, instead of, you know, reading about how uh, Talking Tawny got fucked up the ass by Crocky the Croc or whatever the hell. You know, or something weird, you know, like where, you know, you just kind of like feel dirty after you read it. Hello, Avengers Tower. Captain America speaking. Yes, this is the refrigeration unit over at S.H.I.E.L.D. Is your refrigerator running? Indeed it is, sir. I make a point to check that every morning. Well then, you better go f*** yourself. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to um, another super X-Men slash Avengers event, 
Um, this came out in April 2012. It was a bi-monthly event. So it was pretty much wrapped up, I'd say, by, uh, what, like the end of, like, by the end of this year when, when Marvel Now stuff was rolling out. I mean, it was kind of the linchpin that changed everything forever so they could release some Marvel Now stuff. But uh, this was Avengers vs. X-Men. Um, it had a full team of writers, uh, basically everybody who's been kind of creating the events in the Marvel Universe, like Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Jonathan, and Matt Fraction all worked on the writing half of this uh, you know, mega 12-issue core series. And uh, then we had you know, a bunch of rotating artists because it has a bi-monthly you know, schedule and everything. So you've got guys like John Romita Jr., uh, Olivier Copiel, and uh, Adam Cooper uh, working on the art. And, you know, the main story. This also spilled into all, like, a lot of the ongoing titles. There were, there were, uh, I guess you could call it uh, supplementary miniseries where they delve into the fights. Like, AVX is kind of, you know, they have kind of fights between different Avengers X-Men. Uh, there was sort of a prequel series called Exanction that ran for four issues. That was by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Um, there was, uh, you know, a, a digital comic called uh, Avengers vs. X-Men Infinite, which I really liked, uh, that had Nova in it, and it was written by Mark Wade and had art from Stuart Amonin. Um, uh, you know, so, and, and basically, I guess there were, you know, legions of tie-ins, like, you know, Tie-ins in the Avengers, Avengers Academy, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine and the X-Men, X-Men Legacy. So this is this is a pretty all-encompassing storyline. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to try and focus it or not. We may be all over the place with comments. I know I have opinions and thoughts on you know not only the course but all the supplementary stuff as well. Um, basically, the the main idea of Avengers versus X-Men is that. Uh, the so-called Messiah Hope, uh, who was introduced in Messiah Complex, if you remember our podcast about that, get way back. Mutant version in, you know, a bajillion years for the X-Men, you know, because uh, since basically House of M and Scarlet Witch said no more mutants, uh, she was the first big mutant birth. And the idea is the Phoenix Force is coming to Earth, and they believe that Hope is going to be the new host for the Phoenix, and this puts the Avengers and the X-Men at odds because Cyclops, you know, wants to uh, protect Hope, and and she he thinks she's you know going to usher in a new age of uh, you know uh, a mutant rebirth, I guess, and uh, you know the you know Avengers and Captain America specifically, you know, to them, you know, the Phoenix Force is just a huge intergalactic WMD. And, you know, they basically want control of Hope if she's going to be the new host. Um, I guess, you know, just, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, man, just go put it down. Okay, there is no way in heck Thing could be Namor, especially when he's underwater. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, those AVX uh, tie-in comics, this is what Justin's referring to, they, they were six issues. And basically, each issue had a fight between an X-Man and an Avenger, and, and there were usually two fights. So, you know, I think in that issue, it was like the Thing versus Namor, and what was it, Magneto versus Iron Man? Is that it? Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that one either. Stupid, right? I mean, it's like Iron Man wins, even though 
the dude can control metal, and uh, and then uh, Namor loses the thing even though he's underwater. Um, yeah, no, go to town, man. Like, else, I mean, you want to say about that? Or? I I just don't understand what they were smoking that day when they were like, yeah, man, thinking totally like use some like tooth from some uh, Atlantean fish and trap Namor underwater and beat him. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? Like, sometimes it, I feel bad because I think sometimes the thing gets underrated a lot because he's always fighting with guys like Hulk, and then you know, oftentimes he, he comes out on the lower end of the totem pole in that in that kind of matchup. But it's like it, sometimes I'm like, I, you know, you kind of forget. Like if you read those early issues of Fantastic Four, like he's you know swinging around you know mole man monsters with like one pinky and shit. And you're like, dude, he's pretty tough too, you know. So I think, I, you know, for me, I would kind of stick up for Ben Grimm. But I agree with you when when you kind of say, well, look, dude, they're underwater. I mean, that's like Namor's. It's like you know, it's like Batman losing in Gotham City, or you know, like you know, I, I don't know what else to compare it to, but just you know, some somebody losing in their element. You know, it's like Hawkman gets beat up in the air, and uh, and it's like freaking you know, the Flash villain, the Turtle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know for, for me the thing that i hated the most uh were, were two things about the avx and this is just the fights um you know and i guess they're just designed to be kind of what what mike was talking about before when he brought up uh the the previous wolverine malar arc where you know it was just supposed to be this kind of widescreen kind of actiony movie popcorn type stuff where get the, the the battles and stuff of, of people that are going on. But I think in the second issue, they, they detail this Gambit versus Captain America encounter. And I'm kind of like, in the core series, it takes place in two panels. Gambit shows up, Captain America one-punches him, and that's the fucking end of it, pretty much. I mean, I may be misremembering a little bit, because I haven't read it in a long time, but it doesn't take a whole lot of time. But in the actual, you know, versus comic, they make it like this huge, long fucking fight. Captain America's shirt gets torn and all this other shit. And it just happened in between like two panels. So by the end of the fight, it's like, you know, somebody airlifts him a new fucking brand new shirt in the middle of the <laughs> Yeah, well, well, time out. Captain needs a new uniform. It's like it won't match up with the following panel in the actual core miniseries. Get him this new uh, chainmail and and shirt stat, you know, or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, that's kind of lame. Um, and 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 normally, I'm probably one of the, a big proponent for for defending Gambit. Like, I enjoy Gambit. He's probably one of the few '90s characters that I'll stick up for. I think he's very entertaining. Um, you know, I enjoy reading about the character when I do, um, but there's no way in hell that, that, you know, it doesn't take two seconds for Captain America to beat the hell out of Gambit. And, you know, the fact that it even took like 15 pages or 10 pages, whatever it was, is just ridiculous. And the fact that they had to do that whole, you know, sync it up with a regular story. It's like, that's what editors are for, right? They couldn't have like not had a shirt get ripped or like, I, I don't know, but just, it just seems like it was not well thought out. Um, and then and then the other thing, which I was reminded of when we were doing prep for this, apparently at some point, not in the core miniseries, not in the tie-ins, and not in this AVX uh, miniseries, Magic, who is one of my favorite characters, Ilana Rasputin, faces off against Doctor Strange. 
Now, you would think with a miniseries titled AVX, where the whole point is to detail the fights that they couldn't fit into the core storyline, you would think that they would put that fucking fight <laughs> in AVX. And I'm sitting here reading this miniseries, and I'm like, this is such crap. But at least eventually, it happened with Doctor Strange and Ileana. And I get to the end of it, and I'm kind of like, that never happened. And then I'm reading all this supplementary stuff, you know, for the podcast and whatnot, like Uncanny X-Men, where Namor's kissing fucking Lobster Queen's dick. <laughs> on. I'm trying to plow my way through it, thinking, you know, they're going to they're gonna explain to me how Doctor Strange got his ass kicked by magic. Like, I, I want to know how this fight went down. Nothing. There's nothing. It's just, it's just, it happens, like, apparently at some point, it happens, and you never fucking get to find out how that happened. And I, yeah, I thought, I thought I missed something, yeah, because, well, they, they spend the time to show Magic fighting Black Widow, which is another fight that should have taken, like, two seconds, maybe, but, you know. that, you know, it's like, it's like, dude, check it out, it's like Prez from DC Comics versus Darkseid, check it out, you know, and I'm just kind of like, man this is lame you know but anyway like that i just couldn't i yeah i, I couldn't stand uh you know that, that they ever show i mean the whole point is they're trying to build like, these great fights and then they the, the actual matchups like i don't know I, I just think the matchups are not well balanced i mean especially the example you gave of like black widow versus magic or something like that like it's just kind of like seems kind of pointless well, yeah, it's like, oh, because they're both Russian. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, you know, but not really. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I thought that was pretty horrible. I, I, guess, I guess I'll move into some, some thoughts I had in the tie-ins, and maybe we'll wrap it up with, like, the core miniseries or whatever, if that's okay with everybody. But um, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, as far as the tie-ins with Avengers, like, okay, this stuff... Most of these books, Avengers, New Avengers, like that was all written by Brian Michael Bendis, who you know is our favorite writer, and we love him so much. <laughs> like Protector or Marvel Boy or Norvar, whatever you want to call him, like he gets what I like to call Major League Triumph in this, and and what that means is he gets choated, like he gets <laughs> like hardcore, and and not that he gets owned hardcore, and I'm laughing at him. No, when when someone gets triumphed, like they get owned so hardcore that I feel sorry for them. That <laughs> like they got so fucked over. Like like kind of like how Hawkeye gets pwned in Old Man Logan. Like he gets pwned so bad, I feel sorry for him. Even if I didn't even like that version of Hawkeye, when he's like, "Man, it's so great, dudes! Like I'm finally gonna get to be a super soldier. Like it's so great that somebody believes in me, even though I'm 96 years old and I'm you know out of shape and all this." <laughs> I, I, it just devastates me. Like it's so. I'm, it's I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought this up, Derek, because I, I liked Grant Morrison's Marvel Boy. Yeah, like, that's a really great miniseries, and then it feels like Ben just got his hands on him and turned him into like protector, and it's like he took his balls away or something. It's like the only time he's ever like remotely useful is like in AVX and some of those like fights with like you know. Uh, Secret Avengers, where they're on, like, you know, Hala, the Kree homeworld and stuff. And there was, like, that, you know, Age, uh, Age of Heroes, you know, Avengers number one, 
relaunch or whatever, like that series, like he's kind of helpful through that one. They're like in the future with like Immortus and all that stuff. But like any other time he's like in the background and has just like one or two, you know, sentences. And it's like no one can ever draw his costume the same twice. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the thing that okay, this is what I don't get. Okay, like the reason why I say he gets Major League Triumph is because that's a reference to uh, Grant Morrison's run on JLA, where they bring back this character uh, <laughs> from Zero Hour, and Zero Hour is all miffed because he never. He, he's like, you didn't invite us to join the Justice League, so now we're evil and we're gonna like attack the Justice League. And basically, like Superman walks up to him at the edge of his defeat, and he's like. All we wanted to do was be in the Justice League, man. And Superman's basically like, dude, Will, man, all you had to do was ask. And then he just fucking <laughs> pows in the middle. And I'm like, he's got fucking triumph, right? And and so, like, Marvel Boy, like, he steals the Phoenix Force and is going to bring it to the homeworld. Which, number one, I don't understand because... Marvel Boy isn't from the fucking 616 universe. He's from some alternate dimension universe, so I don't see why he would have any loyalty to the Kree people from this dimension. I could see if, like, they went back to his alternate universe and they did this storyline, and there was some alternate supreme intelligence and what have you, but they didn't. This is, like, the 616, you know, Kree homeworld or whatever. So I don't even understand that. But anyway, he brings the Phoenix Force back, and then he changes his mind and is going to work. You know, he decides, I'm an Avenger. I'm not going to betray the Avengers. I'm going to betray my own people, even though they're not my own people, because they're really from an all- my own people are from an alternate dimension. But when he does that, it's like it's too late, and the Avengers are like, yeah, fuck you, Novar. Like, you get to stay with the Kree, who hate your guts now because you betrayed them. And I'm just kind of like, man, like, I, it just, it just seemed like, like, has this guy been on your team for the last, like, two years or not? It just what? seems like they're, they totally, like, disown him and they just wash their hands of him. And I was like, man, I get it that Bendis is leaving the Avengers and nobody wants to touch the mess he made of that character. But I was like, man, they just, they just left him to the wolves. You know? This is this is this is how serious it is. He doesn't get silently judged by Beast. He gets verbally judged yeah, yeah. by Beast. Like, it, viciously, because Beast is like, if I ever see you on Earth again, I'll kill you. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> the guy who who uh, silently judges you for for killing people on a black ops team, and he's threatening to kill this guy. And you're like, dude, he didn't fuck up that bad. Like he he did the right thing. He changed his mind at the last minute. Like he's he. I yeah I just I'm just kind of like wow man so anyway my my point is I felt really bad for Novar and it makes all the other guys who are supposed to be quote unquote heroes look like assholes so I just wanted to uh, I wanted to mention that in terms of tie-ins it's kind of a, a sad point with us now because Avengers Academy is canceled um, but I really did enjoy at least the first part of uh, the tie-in with Avengers Academy like if you like the old issues of X-Men where they play sports, you know, whether they're playing basketball or maybe they all play football or baseball or whatever, you know, in these little one-off issues. Like, I think you would enjoy this because, you know, Hercules kind of makes, you know, basically all the kids from the mansion have to come to Avengers Academy because there's this big fight going on between the Avengers and the X-Men. And so, you know, the idea is they're going to be 
kept at Avengers Academy and they'll be safe from all the infighting, I guess, or what have you. And, you know, sometimes they're, they feel like they're being herded into like some kind of internment camp. But then, you know, there's, there's kind of like the teachers, whether it's Hercules or Hank Pym or Tiger, you know, they're trying to smooth things over and Hercules, you know, very humorously, you know, is, is, you know, trying to set up kind of a, like a sports tournament where, you know, they, you have the, you know, the X-Men kids compete against the Avengers Academy kids. And in between this whole thing, you've got X-23, who's kind of, you know, of both worlds. You know, she's been with the X-Kids, and she's also a member of Avengers Academy. So, I, I mean, I think people would enjoy that. I don't know if anybody had anything to say about the Avengers Academy tie-ins or anything like that. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I think, like, I think it was about, like, five issues or so. But, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that whole, like, run. I like how uh, Hazmat, I think, was Hazmat, is like, man, is this Avengers versus X-Men crap still going on? <laughs> yeah, she actually says that. Yeah, that was good. Like, I even like that, like, little two-part story where uh, Emma came to destroy the Sentinel, and they, like, have to defend the Sentinel. Yeah, it was the, the and then Quicksilver, like, helps them out at the end and everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that was that was that, sadly that's probably like my my favorite part of Avengers versus X Men was the Academy time. I think that was the first thing I I I read of the whole the whole epic saga. You know, that was the first thing I was that, that dipped my my little toe in the pool or what have you because I was kind of already reading it monthly, and so I that was the first idea I got of what exactly was going on. You know, in terms of the the crossover or what have. you. I just want to say for new Avengers, boring. boring. Yeah. Fuck. All, that. All, all this weird shit about tying the Phoenix Force into Iron Fist and Kunlun and all this other stuff. Like, just, I'm sorry. Boring. Yeah. And all that, like, I, I didn't get, like, it kind of goes into the main series, too. But, like, all that stuff about, oh, Spider-Man has to be, like, Hope's mentor. Like, that doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it's kind of just like he tells her, you know, with great power must come great responsibility. And that's all he does for her, basically. Way to go, Uncle Ben. Way to go. <laughs> I mean, like, there. I think the moment that where they, they try to have the Illuminati meet up for the last time during this was in New Avengers. And I kind of like that scene that Cap and Namor have at the end of that where, you know, everybody thinks Namor didn't bother to show up, but he did. And he was just waiting to talk to Cap by himself. Um, but other than that, like, I, you know, I was just kind of like, get on with it already. Like this, it, 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 it's just, it, that was, to me, it was like useless. It's like, you know, I, I hate to say this because it might be sacrilege, but you know how like when you're you know younger and like you wanted to read Watchmen and you're like ah fuck this pirate shit and you just skip all that part and you read like the you know the the, the meat of the story or whatever. Like I feel like the Kunlun stuff is like the pirate part of Watchmen. I don't need to read this at all. Like, but um, you know, I, I don't have too much to say about. Uh, the other like tie-in things. I mean, I will go to bat for Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, I had not read this at all until I started reading the crossover, and it made me go back and read uh, Schism and and the the first like whatever ten or twelve issues of that. Like, I think that's a pretty solid title, and I was I was pretty surprised. So, I, I all I can say for that is it, it was a nice surprise. I think it's pretty well written. Probably better when it's not involved in all the tie-in madness, you know, when it's just its own book. 
but uh, I enjoy all the characters introduced there. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said before, I'm Kenny X-Men. Don't like Imperious sexing of Lobster Queen. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of, of uh, you know, uh, Cyclops comparing himself to uh, North Korea and Iran. Um, you know, just all that kind of stuff, all those connotations. Like, I didn't like Uncanny X-Men. I just kind of read it for the crossover. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, and I, I don't really, I don't have anything bad to say about Space Avengers or X-Men Legacy, but I don't really have anything, any praise either. So, but I mean, if, if anybody wants to go into anything else in regards to the tie-ins, feel free. And then after that, we'll, we'll kind of hit the main core story. I like how you just referred to Secret Avengers as Space <laughs> Avengers. I, I actually did like enjoy that little Secret Avengers storyline where they were dealing with the resurrected Captain Marvel, but. On the other hand, yeah, that, was okay. that was okay. On yeah. the other hand, like a, the bad consequence was, you know, Remainder had to basically interrupt his own story storyline to like do that for like three months. So that kind of like took away momentum from that. Even though I did enjoy yeah. Resurrected Captain Marvel, I agree with that. I I was actually after the first issue of that, I was like maybe I should just skip the rest of this. But I am glad I stuck with it because it was a pretty decent story. Uh, anything else about the tie-ins then, or can we move on to the main event? I guess I guess we can. I guess we can move on to the main, what they refer to as the quote unquote core series, which is this, uh, you know, the twelve issue maxi series that apparently has the the most important main part of the story. You know, that's titled Avengers vs X Men. Um, you know, as, as we were talking about earlier in the show, I mean, the main point, the crux of this whole confrontation is the Phoenix Force and Hope. Um, you know, they they you know both parties believe Hope is going to. The new host of the Phoenix Force, uh, whereas you know, I guess Cyclops believes it will lead to uh, a mutant rebirth, you know, uh, you know, post the events of House of M, where you know Scarlet Witch basically halted the propagation of the, the mutant race. Um, you know, Captain America and, and the Avengers kind of think of it more as a WMD to basically destroy the whole universe. Um, so that is what puts them at odds, and I'd say that puts them at odds for like the first act or whatever you want to call it, like the first six issues or whatever. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. This is just speaking for myself, and I guess it's tough if you haven't read what I'm about to say, but I just feel like Schism was so much more well balanced than this. Like I felt like like both people in Schism had good points. Like, I understood where Wolverine was coming from, and I understood where Cyclops was coming from. And when they fought each other, you could feel it building, and it was a good fight. But it's not like I ever... I, I feel like I didn't hate any of them for why they were fighting. I, I figured at least I could see where both of those characters were coming from. But I think with, with Avengers versus X-Men, it just seems like they gave one side the benefit of the doubt at points you know like I think at the beginning you probably side with Cyclops you know because or at least I did you know where you're like oh yeah it's all about mutant rebirth and we want to protect hope and the Avengers are these big bad evil fascists or whatever that are going to come and you know lock all the mutant race up or whatever just because you know hope is possibly going to interact with the Phoenix or what have you um, and, and then I'd say, you know, the only person who acts like a big jerk the whole time is, of course, Wolverine, you know, and he wants to basically, I mean, he makes it clear he wants to 
executed. You know, he's like, the Phoenix is bad news. We gotta kill her before it takes her over. Um, but then he gets all kind of wishy-washy, you know, and it goes back and forth. It's like, you can't have Wolverine do that and, and be a hero. So, you know, Cap's punching Wolverine out the window, and then I guess his head got knocked around enough that he decides he's not going to kill Hope. And then he actually helps Hope get to the moon, and, you know, it, it just seems to go back and forth until you get to, I guess, what the second act would be, which is where they all kind of get the Phoenix Five powers or whatever. So instead of the Phoenix going into Hope, it gets separated among Cyclops, Emma Frost, Colossus, uh, Magic, and... Namor. So, you know, that's... I mean, you know, and, and by the time you get to that point, I mean, despite all the good things they do with their powers, by that point, the X-Men are basically the villains. Like they're, they're Whales with lobster legs. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're, they're essentially, what the fuck was up with that? <laughs> what I, you know, we talk about the tie-ins and how I didn't really give some of them much thought or I didn't like Uncanny X-Men or whatever, but it's like, talk about consistency and inconsistency. It's like, in some issues, it's like Colossus seemed to be a man struggling with his Juglossus identity or whatever, you know, his his Crimson Sidorak identity or whatever, and, and how that was a monster that was going to overtake him. And he seems like, you know, a, a guy with a, a, a good head on his shoulders. He had some guilt over using that ability, but sometimes he was forced to use it. And he seemed like a pretty, you know normal dude and even in some of the tie-ins that was still reflected i thought but if you read the actual series it's like he turns into um uh, a simpleton you know he's like lenny from mice and men all of a sudden because he's got the phoenix force in like you know the main series or whatever and uh you know it's just like which way did they go george you know and you're just <laughs> you know. What happened? Like I, I don't know. That he seemed very inconsistent to me between the various titles. You know. <laughs> it is good, little one. Colossus like rain. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that is crazy. Um, I, I don't know. What do you? I mean, you know, I, I have my own thoughts about it. But I mean, what, what do you guys? I mean, do you think? the Phoenix Five were villainized? Like, do you think I'm right for saying that? Do you disagree with that? Like, I'm just curious. Well, I was going to say, much like Civil War, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the conflict was, like, manufactured from, like, the get-go. Like, you know, this seems like something that, like, you know, Cyclops and Captain America could have taken, like, two minutes to calm down and said, okay, well, listen, here's what we know and here's what you know. Now let's, like, work out a solution. But of course they can't have that. So, you know, that won't be like a 12-issue series. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, um, I, I've liked the direction Cyclops has gone in for a while now. Like, I I, I kind of like, you know, him, like, kind of skirting, like, the you know, the moral line and stuff like that. But, like, I, I always feel like they always ruin it when they, like, push someone over that line and like yeah yeah so all of a sudden like cyclops like gets really extreme about it and you know he's like you know it it almost comes off like he's trying to sacrifice hope to like some angry god or something like eventually you know 
like to to like appease or like you know get more get more mutants or whatever and like hope is a sacrifice and like it didn't come off with like that like even even in like X sanction like it's it's funny because I was like you know the thing that Jeff Loeb wrote was actually like the thing that I was least like you know like offended by I guess so you know it, it seemed like Cyclops still had like a clear head on his shoulders and like you know even like when Cable tells him like later like at the end of that series like you know watch out for the Avengers because you know they're going to be coming for Hope and Cyclops is like yeah don't worry about it you know I'll protect Hope you know it'll be cool but you know when X-Men versus uh, when a- the main series starts he's just like hey let's do this crazy thing now you guys in? great you know well it's, it's weird because it seems to transfer from it seems like to me the first half of the series they really were sticking to he he wants to protect hope and sometimes maybe that's a little overbearing you know like where she goes out to like fight the serpent society and he's like what the hell are you doing out there like we got to look out for you but then it seems like the minute the phoenix becomes involved and the minute she you know i guess is not ready to you know, absorb the power of the Phoenix, the full Phoenix force, then it all becomes about the WMD stuff. And it's like, they somehow forgot about hope, you know, like almost where it's like, it's like they all get the power distributed among themselves. And then it's kind of like, Oh, well she doesn't have to be the Messiah. Now we're going to be the Messiahs. And the minute somebody says that, like it kind of automatically puts them in that whole, like, you know, people are skeptical you know it's like what are you what are you doing dude well, i i was i guess i was skeptical from the beginning because they showed like the phoenix force like destroying planets on its way like to earth and i'm like oh well the x-men are going to be on the side of something that's like committing genocide and stuff so yeah 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 i mean well i guess speaking of that this is this is for me i think of it as a positive but since you brought up genocide i think it's a nice segue um wakanda was totally like decimated <laughs> by Namor when he has the Phoenix Force, and um, I'm I'm just gonna go on the record and saying that's what Wakanda gets for withholding the cure to cancer from the rest of the civilized <laughs> world. Um, you know, I just think like you know it's like writers like Reginald Hudlin give you know Black Panther and Wakanda this this superiority complex, and uh, and you know what I I think even though we're we're gonna say a lot of critical things about. Um, Avengers versus X-Men, I think uh, they, they could use a good smackdown, you know, and that's basically what happened there. I know I'm sure plenty of Black Panther fans uh, were, were pissed off, you know, probably like, you know, we would be pissed off about Hawkeye getting shot in the head and Old Man Logan or what have you. Um, but um, I, I just thought that that was, uh, it was poetically just, I think, in, in terms of, of uh, you know, kind of certain things that had come before. Um uh, I also was going to say that, uh, and I don't know how you guys feel about this or not, but um, especially given current events with the superior Spider-Man, I almost kind of wish that like Spider-Man died in the fight between Magic and Colossus. <laughs> like, because cause I just, like, when I'm reading that, like, it's like when I read a Batman comic and he gets stabbed like 15 times, and I'm kind of like, how does he keep going, dude? Like, this is just so unrealistic. And like, the way I felt about it was it was like Spider-Man doing what Spider-Man does, you know, fighting against, you know, almost kind of hope, 
ridiculous odds or something like that, you know, fighting a good Spider-Man fight, I suppose, you know, the David Goliath fight or something. But man, like, it's just like, David got his fucking ass whooped, man. And I was like, he's got to be dead after that punch, right? And it's like, he keeps getting up and keeps getting up. I'm like, even if he survives this fight, like, he's got to be crippled for life, right? And it's like, he's not, obviously. But I, I just... In the back of my head, I well, they're not going to do it. But I was like, I was like, it'd be cool if like they actually like killed him during that fight. But anyway, and not because I hate Spider-Man or anything like that. It doesn't have anything to do with that. I just, I just think it would have made that that sacrifice more poignant or something. I don't know. It just, it just seems stupid to me. Where it's like, oh, I'm so sacrificing myself for you, but I will be fine two issues from now. You know, like. <laughs> it, it, it felt it, it felt kind of hollow, you know. It's like I will totally bruise my body, and then I'll train Hope a few minutes later about stuff, you know. And it just no, no, no. What was funny to me about that was that, like, you know, Quesada and Bendis and some of the like the Brain Trust, they like they gave some interview. And they were, like, all proud of themselves because they were like, you know, you know, we kind of noticed that, like, in the last few events, you know, Spider-Man didn't, wasn't really a big part of them. But we think we've changed that with, like, AVX. Like, Spider-Man gets a really important role to play. And I'm kind of like, he got his ass kicked. Like, that that's his important yeah. role. Yeah. Like, he got his, like, spleen mashed in, you know? And I'm kind of like, dude, wow, good thing that, uh, good thing uh, the radioactive spider bite that has, uh, spleen recovery powers. I mean, I know Spider-Man has recovery powers, but I'm just like, damn, dude, he really, really got fucked up in that fight. Like, and I just was like, man, like, I I don't know. I, I just didn't, you know, I just expected more of a, a, uh, consequence to, to the outcome of that fight. And I, I don't think there was any, you know, um, you know, other than he, he really, you know, it's like, Oh, I got the good guys out or something, you know? It seemed like there were a lot of, like, odd elements there, like the last two issues that they just kind of threw in there, I guess, to lead into, like, other stuff. Like, it's like, you know, all of a sudden Cap's going to the Hulk. He's like, Hulk, we need your help. And Hulk's like, Hulk will help. So they get, like, Hulk and Red Hulk to fight, you know, the uh, Phoenix-powered Cyclops. That would seem kind of, like, out of the blue and random. And then in that final battle, you get the new Nova to, like, come in and, like, blast Cyclops, and then, you know, <laughs> that's it for him. He goes back to his own planet, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess I missed that infinite story with Nova. I, I read the one with uh, Cyclops talking to uh, Jean Grey's spirit on the moon. Like, I liked that one, but I guess I missed yeah. the one with you were talking about. I was going to say, um, uh, what was I going to say? I, oh, I didn't like, like, the implication that, like, I think it was, like, in the Uncanny X-Men tie-in. I didn't like the implication that, like, Jean Grey would have, like, spit in Cyclops' eye for doing something like this. Or, like, you know, being possessed by the Phoenix. I mean, first of all, she's not one to talk. And, <laughs> and, and that, I mean that both figuratively and literally. But, um... Yeah, I would think that Gene would be more understanding than anyone of what had happened to Cyclops at that point. But, I don't know. That just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, it's weird. It, it seemed like the, the main crux of it is that you're talking about, like, you know, walking the line. But, I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a, you know, if you if you really examine the metaphor, you know, for, for many years, probably since, since Wheaton took over X-Men, 
all the way up to this kind of utopia status quo of the X-Men, he's been walking the tightrope like Nightwing, like a motherfucker. You know, he's just walking across it really, really quickly and all the way to the other side of the building. And then he gets out through the window and gets on another tightrope and he walks all across to the other side of the building and he's expertly doing it. But like you're saying, it's like the, the things that happen is once, once you throw in the Phoenix five and once you start throwing in, you know, uh, killing Professor X and, you know, just all these things. Then, then to that point, it's kind of like, oh, Nightwing, not only did he fall off the trapeze, but his head squished like a fucking watermelon <laughs> on the way back. Yeah. You know, and you're just kind of like, it's, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, in the back of your head, like being a long time comics fan, all you can think of is, oh, just like Daredevil, he's going to blame it on the, uh, the evil, you know, hand beast that took over his brain, or it's a yellow piss monster of fear, or, <laughs> oh, it's, it's all the Phoenix Force's fault, and it's not my fault. And it seems like what Bendis is trying to do, at least in all new X Men, is, is like, nope, you're a fuck up. You know, it's like not only is is it the Phoenix Force's fault, but it's also that you're a fuck up, which I don't know if I like that. But it's it's a little different from, you know, uh, redeeming somebody by just saying, nope, wasn't my fault. It was the thingamabob that possessed me. You know, yeah, at least Cyclops was like, you know, I take full responsibility for whatever, you know, I did and, you know, what have you. That's, I should mention, you mentioned, like, Professor X dying. I kind of, not to the same extent, but I kind of felt like, like um, what we would talked about once upon a time when we talked about fear itself, where I was kind of like, wait, is he supposed to be dead? Like, sort of like when Bucky Cap, quote, unquote, uh, died. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was kind of like, wait a minute, did he just kill him? Like, you know, I guess like, it didn't, like they didn't a, make it a, very clear. A, a non-event event? Like, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. It just to me, it seemed to be like really like, which I uh, I don't know if it's a good thing at all, but it seemed to be very inspired by uh, X Men: The Last Stand. You know, just hey, I'm Professor X. I'm doing something. I'm shaking up. Oh, I'm anticipated. You know, <laughs> and and that was kind of the end of it. You know, you know I, just, I don't know. I you know. It's like those things where you, you know, that, to me, that's like, well, of course, there's going to be a faction of people who then, you know, villainize Cyclops. It's like, he killed Professor X. Like, Jean Grey would spit in your face. You know, like, and it's just kind of like, I, there's not too much you can, I mean, you, you can argue about, you know, what his goals were and what he wanted to accomplish and his intentions. But, you know, once, once the dude falls off the tightrope, like they have him do, it's like, it, to, to me, what seemed odd about the whole set of interactions is what were Cyclops' goals at the beginning, before issue one started, became Captain America and the Avengers by issue six. Which, like, it's like, I'm kind of like, well, that's not fair. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like to me, I'm kind of like, oh, now Cap and Spider-Man and Iron Man are going to secret away hope and train her and ready her to be the host of the Phoenix. Like, isn't that what Cyclops was doing the whole last five years? Like, I mean, not <laughs> literally, but, you know, in terms of us reading comic books. And I'm like, now all of a sudden that he's got the Phoenix Force, it's just kind of like, yeah, fuck all those goals. Like, we're not going to try to, like, merge the Phoenix Force back together yeah. and, and give it to hope. Like, we're just going to, you know, make, make whales with crap legs and shit. <laughs> Whatever it is that, that we think is important, you know. So, Yeah! 
upbeat, awesome podcast. That's good I was going to say, is there anything from ABX that you guys actually enjoyed? I mean, other than some of the tie-ins that we already discussed. Well, I, I enjoyed Wakanda getting decimated. <laughs> um, um, I can't. I'm, I can't. I can't. Nothing really comes like you know directly to mind. I guess. I mean, all, all I can say is like I mean, I mean maybe, maybe maybe just as a frame of reference for people that are listening, like it's hard for me to think of the last big Marvel event that I really really loved. And usually, what you guys are quick to point out, which I agree with, is. I liked all the annihilation stuff. You know, I liked I liked the cosmic Marvel. You know, Abnett and Lanning. You know, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Vulcan, um, Silver Surfer type stuff. Um, I thought that was. I mean, of of things in this latest decade in the new millennium, like that kind of Marvel stuff, I would point to and say that's my cup of tea. I enjoyed that. And even within that, you know, there, there's a couple things occasionally where you're like, what? Surfers heralding for Galactus again? That's a little weird, but okay, I'll go with it, you know? But, I mean, overall, it's like one of those things where you're like, hey, you know, uh, that might not be uh, my dad's Silver Surfer or what have you, but, like, I still enjoyed what I was reading. Whereas I think this is like, if you liked House of M, this, this, this is probably, probably the most positive thing I could say about it. If you like stuff like House of M or Civil War or whatever, and you think we're crazy, like, you may enjoy this. You know what I mean? Like, you may really dig this. Uh, I, I'll just go on record and say I don't like any of that fucking crap. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like, you know, uh, 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 Civil War. I don't like um, House of M. You know, I, you know, I, I just not my thing you know i mean i know it's a big event and i'm into comics and i keep up with those things and, you know kind of at least know the status quo of stuff but you know there, there may be some tie-ins that i think are fun you know i think the avengers academy stuff was great um you know i i really do think uh, uh another positive thing i could say is x-men schism i thought was really good and and uh, wolverine and the x-men is a really solid title despite my trepidation of reading a comic book titled wolverine and the x-men yeah, I can I can pretty much agree with all that. I I was just thinking it's like uh, Marvel events that I've really like enjoyed over the past decade and like yeah like War of Kings like I really dug and like I'll even like defend like World War Hulk and stuff. Yeah. But but uh, other than that, I'm just kind of like well as as far as AVX goes, um, I'd rank it like. Like I'd say, the lowest of the low, personally for me, was Secret Invasion. So uh, I would say that AVX is still better than that. So better than Scrolls taking over your body. Yeah. Avengers versus X Men. Yeah. I thought a friendly little skirmish with the X Men might teach us a few pointers. I got your pointers right here. Cool. So I think I. Th- think, unless anybody else has any last minute things they want to add, I think we'll move on to our, our awesome thing of the week segment and, and kind of close out our, our chilly someplace cold on uh, Old Man Logan and uh, Avengers vs. X-Men. Scarlet Witch is a hero again. Woohoo! And Vision is silently judging her <laughs> as she opens the front door. And Beast's like, you go, boy! Um, yeah. So, um, 
dude, yeah, you guys gotta get over yourselves. You all went evil and blew up shit at some point, you know, and you all died. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who among you has not gone evil? Yeah, I know, exactly. Don't <laughs> let he who has not been evil <laughs> cast the first. The first. Oh. Um, Sex the first lobster woman. <laughs> ah, sugar, leave her alone! Um, yeah. So, um, anyway, um, awesome thing of the week, uh, Justin, my man, what is your awesome thing this week? Um, I read Star Wars, the Darth Plagueis novel, and it was actually pretty good. But it's it's been a long, long time since I read any Star Wars novels. But uh, uh, I picked this up from the library, and I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. So I read it, and it was pretty good. Justin, it's. Uh, I have a question. What? I, I just have a question to ask after oh. you read Darth Plagueis. Can can you even bring back people from dying now that you read the novel? Or? <laughs> uh, sadly, I cannot. Those secrets were not revealed to me. Would it be possible to learn this power? <laughs> or is that totally outrageous? <laughs> not from a Jedi. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was pretty good. Um, it went to Plagueis' backstory a little bit. Like What I thought was odd and kind of like irritated me just a little bit is that halfway through it becomes like the Darth Sidious novel instead. It's like chapter after chapter, it's like Sidious, 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 and then maybe something about Plagueis. I mean, I still enjoyed the stuff about, like, you know, Palpatine's, like, you know, political intrigue and, like, all these things he did, like, you know, become a Sith Lord. Like, that was interesting, but I kind of felt like they could, like, took all that and made it, like, a Darth Sidious novel as well. But, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. My other awesome thing is, and maybe this Mike will like this, um, I've been reading Gundam The Origin. Uh, I read like the first volume, I guess. Like I, I got these at the flea market when I was out this week. I just kind of randomly saw them. I was like, hmm, I'll read these. Like, Mike, is this like basically like the manga version of like the first few episodes? Is like, is that what it is? It's, it's a... It's like the second manga adaptation mm. of like the series, yeah, pretty much. Because like I, but I haven't watched the you know OG Gundam since it was on Cartoon Network, and like some of it seemed familiar, and other stuff like didn't seem familiar at all to me. Yeah, they they expand on stuff mm. like a lot more. Like I guess it, it's like the remastered manga or something, basically. Mm. Yeah, I always I always think of it as like you know Amuro and Sailor can have sexy time in that manga, whereas like. <laughs> watching, you know, the television show, like, that is, you know, not really hinted at at all, and if you had, you know, I think the first manga is much more literally adapting the TV series, where this, they take, a, you know, some more liberties with it, and kind of, you know, put some stuff in there from, you know, the Tomino novels and things like that. I know they're. I've got them both pre-ordered. They're releasing like the like uh, hard covers of that uh, like in next year, uh, next year, but <laughs> this year, uh, like in a couple months, I think. I, I think like co- collecting maybe like two or three of those like paperback like versions in one hardcover. So that that's pretty good. So uh, what about you, Mike? What is your uh, awesome thing for this week? Uh, I watched the live-action Veroni Kenshin movie, and I thought it was awesome. And I know we're going to talk about it in a future show, so I won't say anything, uh, uh, what do you call it, more detail, but I thought it was pretty great. Cool, cool. No, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I, I have not yet 
but I will I will soon once we, we uh, especially once we do it for a show. Um, who knows? Maybe by the time this show airs, you'll have already heard our Veroni Tension podcast. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out when we shuffle things around. Or... <laughs> Everything's going to be in flux. Yes. yes. Um, for my awesome thing of the week, um, I, I just, you know, wanted to, this is more of a local thing, so if you don't live in my area, it may or may not apply to you, or if you should ever happen to visit, um, uh, lovely Northern California, then, uh, you should go to, uh, St. John's in Sunnyvale, California. It's a bar and grill, and they make the most awesome hamburgers ever, and, uh, I usually, I would go there a lot, but since I've been working a lot on Saturdays, that's usually when they have their half-off burgers um that's when we would normally go to you know eat burgers because they're half off um but i went down there today and grabbed some burgers for me and my dad and i haven't had one in a while and it was really good and um so yeah that that is my awesome thing thank you all for for listening to the podcast um i just want to say thanks to everybody who uh is a big supporter of us whether it's on facebook or twitter or what have you um, we get a lot of likes on Facebook when new stuff comes out, whether it's, you know, Mike's Top Ten Street Fighter blog or just the, you know, standardized podcasts or sidecasts or what have you. Um, so everybody, you know, Airhammer and, uh, you know, Jan, um, you know, my dad, and um, I'm trying to think of uh, who else. Uh, there, there, there was just a lots of people who were, you know, liking us. So I just want to say that we appreciate all the likes, um, and thanks a lot for that. Uh, Boo was another person who, who writes our RPG blogs and everything. He'll, he'll always come out and support us on Facebook. So just wanted to say thanks for that. We appreciate it. We like getting feedback. Um, if you have anything you want to talk with us about or shoot us, you know, emails or anything, you can uh, send us emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that. I mean, again, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, find us on Gmail. We've got a Tumblr, um, you know, all those all those good social media uh, contacts. You can watch uh, video versions of the episodes on Blip TV. Um, so, yeah, so check all those things out. And then uh, until next time, uh, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Mike Thunderwing, Justin Grimlock. Between Avengers and X-Men. X-Men un- represent. Because they're uncanny you, Avengers now. So it's... They're at- <laughs> you, can't, you can't see it, but I have my arms crossed over my chest. <laughs> Damn, dude, you, you look hardcore, even though I can't see you. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but he was more right than wrong. It, it was more of a 60-40 thing. The Wolverine was always wrong the whole time. Let's just settle with that, Mike. Yeah, that, that's true. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, Beast. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>